I want us to just really focus in just on a few minutes about Christmas and about what I was speaking on earlier about Emmanuel, God being with us. Because there's a lot of times when, in life that we get so busy, we get so caught up in, the other, in a lot of stuff. But I want to read a passage of the prophecy about Jesus coming. It's in Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to read just one verse to you. I'll be, actually, I'll read a lot of verses, but there's one main text. And it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And when we talk about this this Jesus that came, this is who he is. This is the Jesus, this is the God that is with us all the time. And it says this, for unto us a child is born and a son is given. That right there, both that talks about him as a human in his humanity as well as him as fully God. He was fully man, fully God. So he was a child. He came down as a child. And then he became, he was the son of God. But he lay aside his deity and became fully human for us. And you know, man cannot, we could not have had our sins paid for unless he came as a man. And that's the love that God has for us, that he sent Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world That he sent his son. That's the whole message of Christmas is John 3.16. He loved the world. And we use love. We totally blast that word. We totally mess it up. We use it. We misunderstand the deep meaning of what love is. We use love. The same thing we talk to our spouses. I love you. We say the same thing about ice cream. I love you. It's I love ice cream. I love this. I love this. Listen, there is a deeper love, an agape love that is unconditional, that is deeper than any kind of love you can even fully experience. That, that God showed when he sent his only son, when he sent Jesus for us. And here's what it says about that. Is it says in John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says that the Word became human and made his home among us. In other words, Jesus became human, God became human, came down as a human, and dwelt with us. So, you know, for us, it tells me that I'm so grateful for God because I could not have made it to him. So he sent Jesus to me. That's huge. You want to talk about a love? God did not get up there and say, keep trying. Keep trying. You're never going to make it. He said, I'm going to send my son to you. In other words, I'm going to do what it takes to restore this relationship between God and man. And that's what he did, and he sent Jesus. And then it goes on, and when you read Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves in the fear of dying. In other words, it was the only way we could have been set free was by Jesus becoming flesh, and he did. And he came and he died on the cross for us and he rose again and he conquered death, hell and the grave, all because of his love for us. That's the God that we're celebrating today. That's the Jesus that we talk about. That's the gift of Christmas. And I want us to just keep, remind yourself of that all throughout these next few days as it gets busy and family and that family you love to be around. And maybe for some of you that family where you're like, oh, is it over yet? Either way. But you, this is what we celebrate today. I also want to... Um, 
talk about the son is given. I talked about that in John 3.16. But here's what it says about him. As far as wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wonderful means extraordinary, marvelous, even hard to understand. Psalm 77.11 says this. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds long ago. Listen, we, we serve a wonderful God. I'm just telling you. If you don't know God as wonderful, you don't know God. Because this is who he is. He's wonderful. The next scripture there is Isaiah 25.1. And it says, O Lord, I will honor and praise your name for you are my God and you do, you do such wonderful things. This is the God that we serve. Goes on to say, not only is he wonderful, but he's counselor. Counselor means to advise, to consult, or to counsel. Psalms 32.8. Says The Lord says, I will guide you or counsel you along the best pathway for your, for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. And then the next verse there, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Without wise leadership, a nation falls, but there's safety in having many advisors. Listen, if there's safety in having people around you, how much more safe are you when Jesus, the Son of God, and the deity of who God is, is your counselor? Listen, I... I've, I've been to counselors. Y'all like, yeah, you still need to keep going, brother. All right, listen, counselors are great. And what do they do? They help you see things that you don't see. They help you get through difficulties and stuff that you're facing that you can't seem to overcome or conquer or walk through or the struggles of things that you're hurting and things that are going on. And you go to see a counselor, someone who can help you, who can be an outside view to say, here's some things that can help you. How much more? Is God as our counselor can see everything, knows everything, that could just say, hey, this is it. I can guide you here. He says, I'll guide you along the best path for your life. I'll help you. But for us to, for us to seek counsel, we have to go to him. There's a lot of people that need counseling that won't go. And, and that's in natural things, but it's also in spiritual things. That we think we can just handle it, that we think we can just do it. And I'm telling you, you have a counselor who says, I can help you. I can help you overcome that. I can help you fix that. I can help you change that. I can help you overcome your fear. I can help you overcome your anxiety. I can help you overcome whatever it is because I know. And he's our counselor. The next thing it says, he's our mighty God. He's strong. He's brave. The strongest and the most powerful. Psalms 24.8 says this, who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong, and say it with me, mighty. Listen, our God is no wimp, I'm telling you. Our God is strong. Our God is mighty. He is almighty. That's who, that's who God is. There's another scripture, uh, Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Then he says this, the almighty one. That's that's, that's who we celebrate today, the Almighty One, who's got all kinds of power that we have access to. Look at this next verse here. Ephesians 6.10 says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in what? His mighty power. In other words, the power you walk through every day, it's His. 1 Corinthians talks about, and it talks about that in our weakness, His strength is perfect. And if you've been here long enough, you've heard me say, we need to rejoice that we're weak. We need to be able to acknowledge that we're weak because it's only in our weakness his strength is perfect. 
So we can have access to the strength of God, but if we don't use it because we think we're strong enough, we mess it up. But as, as believers who know that God is the Almighty One, then we get to stand as weak people on our own. We stand in His mighty power and His strength. That's what gets us through. That's who we serve. That's who we celebrate. That is the Emmanuel that is with you every day. So check this out. You have a wonderful God with you. You have a counselor who can counsel you in any decision you face, and he's with you every day. You have a mighty God who is stronger than you, stronger than anyone around you, stronger than the greatest person. Just there's no one that compare to God. He's the almighty one, and he's with you. He's with you. Then he's the everlasting father. Jesus talked about the father. He said, I and the father are one. And he came as a representation of the father. This is who Jesus talked about when he was here. He did. He could only do what he said. I only do what the father tells me to do. I only say what the father tells me to say. In other words, this whole, this whole thing that Jesus modeled for us, he came. He came and he lived his life, surrendered to the father. He lived his life, and all the miracles he did wasn't because he was Jesus, the Son of God, because he was Jesus' man. But he came into humanity, but he came and he performed miracles and signs and wonders because he was connected to his father. Because he prayed, he got away, he spent time with his dad, he hung out with his father, and it filled him. He made decisions. There was one time where it says he went up to the mountaintop, and he prayed all night. And the very next verse says, then he came down and chose his 12 disciples. In other words, he spent all night praying. Then he came down and made a very serious decision. But it was after spending time with God that he made that decision. It wasn't just, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You? No, it was like, you know what? I have been praying. I have been with the Father. These are the disciples that I choose. There's something about connecting with the Father that, listen, this Father is the God who lasts forever. He, he's, he, there, he is, it says, who is, who was, and who always will be. That's the God that we serve, the Alpha, the Omega. That's the God we serve. That's the Jesus we celebrate. That's what Christmas is about. We have him with us. We have him with us. I didn't preach myself happy this week. I'm telling you, I'm excited about God. I'm excited about who he is for me and how he can help me. And then this last one, he's the prince of peace. He's the captain, the overseer, and the leader. He keeps me in peace. He, he's, peace means complete, safe, at rest, content. That's what it talks about, the being at peace. But it's not, see, the world's idea of peace is the absence of trouble. And, and you know what? That's not the peace of God. The peace of God, according to Philippians, the peace of God surpasses all your understanding. In other words, you'll be in a situation that'll be so crazy, and you're going to wonder why, how in the world can I have peace? That's God's peace. Because it doesn't make sense in your head. It just doesn't make sense. We'll read that in just a second. But let's look at Isaiah 26.3. This is what the Bible says. That he will keep us in perfect peace, all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. If we keep our thoughts and our focus on what the Christmas message is all about, and we keep it on Jesus, guess what? He said he will keep us in perfect peace. It doesn't mean every now and then you're going to get a little bit of peace. No, you will stay in peace. He will keep you in peace. Even in difficulty, you will be at peace. In the good times, you will be at peace. When, when, when all this stuff's coming against you, you will be at peace. Because the peace is not coming from you. The peace is coming from the Prince of Peace who promises to never leave you and to always be with you. That's where the peace comes from. Let's go to the next scripture. 
in John, it says this in John 14, I'm leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart. And this peace that I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're looking for peace in this world, you might as well stop now. Because there is no peace in this world like God's peace. None. You won't find it. You'll find peace in the Prince of Peace. As you receive the greatest gift you could ever receive in receiving Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you find peace. And it will never leave you if you stay focused on him. And then Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Always be full of joy. Let me just tell you real quick, but the two verses before this, there's these two, these two ladies that have a disagreement, and Paul's writing this letter, and he says, listen, y'all need to settle your disagreement. He says that in verse 2, and then in verse 3, he talks about it again. Y'all need to settle your disagreement. Then he says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. And then he repeats it. Again, I say, rejoice. In other words, it's important if he writes it twice. You could just say, this is important, y'all, be full of joy. He said, no, be full of joy. You know what? I'm going to tell you again, you've got to rejoice. Why? Because after he talks about these ladies who are, have this disagreement, listen, if you're walking in the joy of the Lord, you are not easily offended. And you are much nicer to be around. So Paul's saying, look, you got to have joy in your life. Always be full of joy. Rejoice. Because plus your strength is connected to joy. So that's why you have to have this joy. Let everyone see that you're considering all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Look at the next verse. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then he says this. So basically, here's what we're saying. Be full of joy. And then when you have something that's troubling you, instead of being worried, bring God in. Go to your counselor. Your, your wonderful counselor, mighty God with all strength, go to him, your everlasting father. When you bring him on the scene, this is what happens. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. This word, when you research it, it's a military type term that says literally it's, a, it's guarding like you would think an armed guard standing at the door. So when you have all this worry and anxiety coming, but you bring God on the scene, you experience so much peace that you have God's peace. And God's peace will stand guard over your heart and your mind. In other words, when those worry and that anxiety, all that stuff tries to hit again, you got this armed peace that says, nope, you can't come in. You cannot come in here. That's not the thoughts we're going to think. Why I'm holding a gun, I have no idea. Um, but I'm like, rah. But it's God's peace. It says that his peace will guard it. In other words, you're not trying to guard it. God's peace will be so overwhelming in your life that it will guard your mind. It will guard your heart. And when, those, when that anxiety tries to come, it's not going to be able to stay there because you've already brought God on the scene. And his peace now is guarding you. And then here's what it says. We always sometimes will stop there. Look at the next verse. 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now that God's peace is guarding you and those negative thoughts can't come anymore, now here's what he says. Now, now you can fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So here's what it says. This peace will guard you. And it'll protect you. And now when you try to focus on the things you need to focus on, you're not going to have this onslaught of negative uh, thoughts trying to distract you. Now that's going to be guarded by the God's peace. And now you're going to be able to fix your thoughts on the things you should be thinking about. And that's those things that are right and holy and pure. That's the things of God. That's the things of his word. But you can only do that when, when you can stop the forces of all these other thoughts coming into your mind. And you can only do that when you bring God's word on the scene. And you bring God on the scene in your life as your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, and the prince of all peace. When you bring him on the scene, your life changes. And that's who we celebrate. We celebrate today a God who says, look, it's not about you earning it. It's about a gift that I want to give you because of my love for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we chose him, he chose us. That's the God we serve. Let's remember this year, not just at Christmas time, but in this whole new year coming up, that we have Emmanuel. God is with us, and this is the God that we serve. And we will always have a wonderful God. We will always have a counselor at our, at our side. We will always have the uh, mighty God. We will always have an everlasting Father, and we will always be connected to the Prince of Peace. 